You are listening to The Christian Publishing Show, the podcast for writers who want to grow Christ's kingdom using the written word. I'm your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. A few days ago, I had a live episode with Steve Lobby where we made a big announcement. Here are the highlights from that live episode. So back in 2018, Steve Lobby invited me uh, to join his literary agency as a literary agent. And as you know, the agents of his agency write a weekly blog post. I didn't want to write a weekly blog post. (laughs) So I was like, Steve, how about I do a podcast episode every week instead? And that sounded good, Steve. And so the Christian Publishing Show was born. And our very first episode was on book proposals (laughs) with guest Steve Lobby. So I know some of you in the questions have questions on book proposals, well, you can listen to the very first episode of the Christian Publishing Show and hear Steve and I talking for 20 minutes all about how to make your book proposal pop. But I went on to interview a lot of other authors and other literary agents, including Jerry Jenkins, Susan May Warren, Angela Hunt, James Scott Bell, Jeff Goins, Trisha Goyer, Deborah Rainey, C.S. Lincoln, James L. Rubart, Bob Hostetler, Steve Lobby, and Mary DeMuth. We have uh, listeners from all over the world. So here's a map of countries where we've had listeners. We've had basically all of Europe and all of North and South America, and I'm pretty sure almost all of Asia. (laughs) So I think that's Iraq is the one gray spot. I'm not good at unlabeled maps. (laughs) It's either Iraq or Iran. Actually, it is Iran. Anyway, so we don't have any listeners in Iran yet, so we're working on that. And all of the episodes that we've done are available for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There was only one problem, and that is I didn't quit any of my other jobs to become a literary agent. (laughs) In hindsight, this was a mistake. I was still hosting the Novel Marketing Podcast. I was still hosting two other podcasts and still running Author Media, not to mention meetups and sitting on boards and being a husband and a father. And I was spread so thin that on one day in 2019, I found I literally could not get out of bed all day. I was so overwhelmed with everything I needed to do. I had a complete breakdown. And so there I was, the sole breadwinner for my wife and a newborn baby. We had a baby number two was on the way, and I couldn't get out of bed. Something had to change. And around that time, I was speaking at a writer's event in Switzerland. And while I was there, I took a photo of this tree. It's a 700-year-old tree. Uh, that had been pruned down to its core. (laughs) But if you look closely, you'll see that there's all of this new growth springing from the branches of that tree. And while I was at that conference, one of the students said that he felt that that tree represented my life and that God was about to prune me down to my very core. And that is exactly what started to happen. Branches started to fall off of my tree, so to speak. I learned a new word, Uh, that I still don't like. (laughs) No. Uh, And during that season, I learned to say no. And also how to say goodbye. I sold off my WordPress plugins. I stepped down from running those meetups. I retired two of the podcasts I was hosting, stepped down from being on the board of directors and of the nonprofit I was with. And I had a very difficult conversation with Steve Lobby about stepping down as a literary agent. And Steve, to his credit, understood. Of course, there was not a lot he could do because I'm like, I'm, I'm literally dying here. <laughs> I can't do the job. But I left the agency on good terms. And it actually brought up the question, you know, what do we do with the Christian publishing show? Because we had a lot of listeners. People were listening from all over the world. And so we talked about it and we're like, 
Steve said, I'm happy to continue sponsoring the podcast. So he was paying for all of the expenses of the podcast. He was paying for the editing and the hosting and the producing. Not me. He wasn't paying me. (laughs) He was paying for everything else other than me. And so we decided to keep the Christian Publishing Show. So it was one of the few things that survived that season of pruning. And by the end of 2019, the pruning was more or less complete. And I was ready to go into the sunny world of the year 2020. And then 2020 happened, and it did not go as I expected. Uh, But I do think that God's hand uh, was at play during this time, even though I wasn't an agent anymore. Because when 2020 came, I had the capacity to, Steve and I hosted a bunch of webinars like this one. We did a whole series of kind of emergency webinars, and the Christian Publishing Show, the podcast version, became the primary source of education and encouragement for many authors. You know, the conferences, most of them were canceled. And a lot of authors needed that help that they were getting from a conference and they were able to get it for free from the podcast. And really props to Steve, who generously paid for the editing and hosting of the podcast. But that said, I don't don't know if y'all realize this, but Steve quietly keeps a lot of the Christian publishing industry running. Uh, Behind the scenes, he keeps things like the Christian Writers Market Guide and the Christian Writers Institute running and other things too. Every, Every time I'm involved in something in the Christian publishing industry, They're like, oh, yeah, Steve helps us with this, or he advises us on this. And while it's really kind of him to host the podcast for so long, it doesn't really make sense sponsoring the same podcast, right? You've all heard about the Christian Writers Market Guide. (laughs) You've all made a decision about whether or not you want it. You probably already have a subscription, right? It doesn't make sense generally to sponsor the same podcast 100 times. And also, for me, from a financial perspective, sponsoring the show is making less sense as well. Remember, I wasn't an agent anymore. The whole purpose of starting the podcast was to help me as a literary agent. And I wasn't doing that anymore. And now that we have a growing family, I have more mouths to feed. Something's got to change. And I love hosting the Christian publishing show, but the family's got to come first. And I'm still the sole breadwinner. And if I can't make the show work financially, I can't afford to do it, at least not in this season of my life. But the Christian publishing show is important and a lot of authors find it helpful. So Steve and I have been talking about what to do next with the show. So we want to share that with you. So the first thing is that the agency is not going to sponsor every episode. But don't worry, Steve will still be a regular guest and episodes will still appear on his website. So not a whole lot is going to change from that regard. But for the show, what it means is that you're not going to hear an ad every week for the market guide. (laughs) But maybe when there's a new issue of the market guide out, you may hear an ad again. Speaking of which, 2022 Christian Writers Market Guide is now available for (laughs) pre-order. So if you've been wondering when a good time to order it, now is the time. It uh, was delayed because of supply chain issues, but it's uh, coming off the press right now and hopefully will be mailed out in the next few weeks. But then the question is, you know, what are we gonna do with the show moving forward? And in short, the future of the Christian Publishing Show is in your hands. We're going to move to a listener-supported model. And if you find the show valuable, if you find the podcast valuable, my hope is that you'll give some of that value back to keep the podcast on the air. And if you can't afford to do the show, that's okay. (laughs) But if I can't afford to do the show, I'm not going to be able to do the show. It's it's got to work because I got to provide for my family. So then that begs the question, you know, how many patrons do we need to keep the show? And I've uh, spent the last month pondering this question. And my hope is, is that God will make it 
very clear. You know, if he wants me to keep doing the Christian publishing show, he'll bring a lot of backers. And if he doesn't, he won't. Uh, so it's, it's a fleece of sorts. But I did put together kind of some goals of like how many backers we need for what level of engagement. So to keep the show active with one episode a month uh, is 50 patrons. So this keeps the podcast alive, so to speak, for two episodes a month, which is our current pace of episodes. It's 100 patrons. Now, if we're able to get more than 100 patrons, I'm going to grow the show and do some cool things with the show. And one of those is at 150 patrons, I'd like to start producing blog post versions of each new episode, which I think is going to be particularly useful for those of you who find out about the podcast via email and you'd rather read a blog post version than listen. I know some people prefer reading. I'm not that person. I only listen to audiobooks, but I get it that I'm weird. <laughs> but making a blog post version of a 30-minute podcast episode is a lot of work. It's uh, for Novel Marketing, my other podcast, it's not uncommon for it to be three to six hours of work. And that's time that either I have to do or somebody else has to do. And that's, it's expensive from a time perspective. But I'd love to make that happen if we can. And then at 200 episodes, I would like to grow the show to add a third episode a month that's just for patrons, where I answer patrons' questions. And then at 300 patrons, if we get there, go to four episodes a month. So three that go out on the main feed and then the one patrons-only episode. And I am adding some bonuses. If you become a patron, you get over $250 worth of course discounts on authormedia.com. And if you want to become a patron, if you want to support the show, you can do that at christianpublishingshow.com. There's a big button that says become a patron or support the show. And if you're wondering how much to pledge, you know, that's up to you. The idea of this is that it's value for value. So if you get a lot of value from the podcast, you know, maybe it helped you skip going to one writer's conference a year that would have cost you $500, then maybe you want to give give a lot. And if it's not very valuable, then you don't give very much, right? The value is subjective. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. So anyway, we're, we'll go to questions, but I do want to share this one final story. And uh, for years, my wife and I drove by this sign it was for a local seafood place, one of the only local seafood places in town that offered real tasty home cooking. Every time we drove by, we were like, we should go there, but we never got around to going. And a few months ago, it went out of business, didn't survive the pandemic, and we lost our chance to try the real tasty food. Now, I'm sure it'll be replaced with some big corporate chain restaurant, which will be something lost because this was a really quirky place. We'd heard about it. Our friends had gone there, but we never visited. And how we spend our money is a vote for what we want the world to look like. And what you support is what sticks around. And that's that's how it works. So, and this is basically my way of asking you, the audience, is the Christian Publishing Show something that you want to stick around? So I hope that you keep the show going because I would love to keep making the show. So with that, let's go to questions. So our number one highest ranking question is what is the top priority for an agent or publisher when they first look at a manuscript? Steve? Oh, that's a great question. I can be really basic if you'd like. The first question I ask is, can I sell this? But there's a lot that then goes into that answer. 
if it's a novel, my first question is going to be, you know, what genre is it? Is there an opening in the uh, marketplace for that type of thing? If it's nonfiction, it, much of the same question, is there a market for this book? But then it comes down to who is that author and what kind of audience or platform do they bring with them that's going to make the big, bad, ugly publishers jump up and down with enthusiasm and excitement and say, we want to pay the author to publish it. And that's that's the traditional market. That's where a literary agent works in. We work in the traditional market, talking to the big publishers like Nelson and Zonervan and Harper's and Simon and Schuster, Waterbrook, Tyndale, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean that that's that's how we make our living, making those connections. Those major publishers rely on us as agents to filter and only show them the best that we find. And after a while, they learn to trust our instinct. But even then, it still has to go into a committee, and there has to be pretty much 100% agreement in that room that, yes, we will invest in this book. Never forget, my friends, that publishing is a business. It's a profit and loss business. Yes, there's a ministry aspect of every book that Christian publishers do, and we don't forget that. At the same time, if the book does not pay for itself or pay for the salaries of all the people involved in the production and sales of the book, then that company becomes like real good fish food. It goes away. It disappears. <laughs> it goes out of business. And during the pandemic, most of the major publishers survived, but I know of quite a few small presses that did not. They were unable to adapt to the changing uh, marketplace and were unwilling to continue to invest in their projects. And so they abandoned their authors. And that, that's just awful news when you hear that. So, yes, that's the very first thing I think is, can I sell this? Is it something that's going to jump off the page. Now, for those of us in the agency side of the business who've been around a long time, uh, we have a lot of really good authors already, and we have a very strong roster. So adding someone new, I have to have a really good reason for it, especially nowadays. And Thomas has heard me do this metaphor before, and so probably many of you it's like an auditioning for American Idol. I get 25 to 50 new proposals a week to this office, either in the mail or via email. Imagine if every one of those 50 people were sitting right outside my door in a line. And if I don't get them to them today, tomorrow, there's 100 people in line. If I don't get them that day, then there's 150 people in that line. And if I wait a full month, there's 200 people in that line. And one of them might be able to get through and actually sit in front of the uh, board and sing their song. And still, you're going to have Simon Cole go, yeah, there's nothing special here. They can sing, but so a lot of people can sing. I know that sounds cynical and terrible and deflating, but if you don't understand what the competition is, you can't prepare yourself to overcome it. 
And that's why I like to uh, be very open about this challenge. It can happen. It does happen. Uh, our agency sold a half a dozen first-time, never-before-published authors just this past calendar year. And that's with a very mature agency with four of us being very selective. So it can happen, and it does. I have uh, just posted in the link. We'll also have, for those of you listening in the future, a link in the show notes to a blog post and podcast episode all about publishing board, how it works, kind of behind the scenes of the, the mysterious. You know, Steve says publishing board. And you're like, what is that? Who are these shadowy figures that decide whether or not your book gets published? Well, we have a whole episode answering that question. Yeah. Next question, and this is by Dina. She asks, what type of stories are Christian publishers looking for in today's market? When an agent tells you to study the current market to find out where the gaps are, how do you do that? Uh. <laughs> Somebody has already answered with a link to the Christian Writer's Market Guide. Well, that's, that's one way. <laughs> uh, the, the Writer's Market Guide is more of a resource of places you can send your material and also finding support groups and other editors to help you along the way. But what she's asking is really more the unanswerable question of what's next or what's hot. As an agent, I'm talking to editors regularly and saying, so what, you know, what are you seeing? What, what are you interested in? What, what's working? What's not working? Typically every business, if something is successful, those who are in charge will say, let's do more of that. And so you find what looks like, well, why are they doing 25 more romantic suspense novels or 15 more Amish novels? Can't they do something new? Well, not when those books are selling. Let me put it this way. Which gets more buzz in the corporate media, HBO or the Hallmark Channel? HBO gets way more buzz. Who gets more buzz on social media? HBO. Who has the bigger ratings? Hallmark Channel. By a yep. lot. <laughs> so it's important to know the market and what, right. and not the buzz in the media, right? Because HBO with that edgy, sexualized, violent content, that's what the media likes. That's what does well on social media, which favors that sort of stuff. But what people are actually watching is the Hallmark Channel. And it's really easy to poo-poo that and be like, oh, it's just the same movie over and over again. The same movie that millions of people tune into that they want to watch. That's right. And if part of studying the market is becoming a fan. So if you're writing in romantic suspense, now I will put a caution here. I have a number of clients who write fiction and they will not read books in their genre because they don't want to accidentally steal an idea. At the same time, they're already in it. So they, you know, they're the ones creating the ideas that can be um, yeah, but isn't not reading the book exactly how you do it accidentally? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so saying two people get out of the same idea at the same time. I know, um, and that happens a lot too. But it, it is an issue where, you know, how do you find out and just become a student of the industry and a student of the market? Nonfiction is a little more challenging because you have a burning passion uh, topic that you want to address. And you can usually judge by an audience's reaction if there's uh, enough people to support it. But it's really just becoming a student of the industry. And it, I think Thomas makes a really good point. If you're going to be writing to what you're hearing about, you're too late. 
because your book's not going to come out if you start today. It's not going to come out till the end of 2023, maybe 2024. This year is done. We have books contracted with our clients into 2026 already. So it's the publishers are looking into the future. They're contracting authors and locking them in. So they're doing a book a year, both fiction and nonfiction. And so it's not a looking at the past or looking at the now. It's trying to project in the future. One more thing I would add to that is you're looking for ideas. It's important to know who your target readers are, right? Are my target readers Hallmark watchers or are they HBO watchers? Because there's not a lot of people who watch both. Or are they whatever other channel? And look at the other media those people are consuming. So a lot of trends in fiction start actually in video games. And what's popular in a video game, so like split time. Really took off in fiction. You know who was doing that for a really long time? Assassin's Creed, which is one of the biggest franchises in video games. The whole video game is split time. And as you write more, you'll start to see, oh, here are the things in the movies that are resonating. Obviously, you don't write the next Spider-Man book. But there are things about the Spider-Man book and the way that the message is presented in the Spider-Man movie that just came out that did so well that it might do you well to see. Why was this movie so resonant? when all these other preachy movies that came out last year failed. (laughs) Well, and I also tell people if you're writing, again, it's fiction versus nonfiction, so I have to be careful how I'm answering this. But in fiction, be aware of which books won the Christie Award last year. That's the Oscars of Christian fiction. And you can say, well, that's a picture of what happened a year and a half ago. Yes, it is. But it also tells you what books are being acquired And then the ones that very heavily vetted judges are considering the best books. You also look at the bestseller lists. Now you might say, oh, that's just a waste of my time. Well, they're on the bestseller list because they're selling. Doesn't mean it's, you know, going to win a Pulitzer Prize. It means that it's something is tapping into an ethos or a need in the community. And uh, it just becomes informative. Now, I do tell this story frequently at writers' conferences that I think illustrates this. So you have your interest, and I'm, I'm talking fiction now. This is your interest. This is where you're, you're fascinated by, you've done research in, you've written your novel, but nobody wants it. It's a genre that nobody's reading. And the editors are their, their eyes glaze over at the writer's conference. An agent just gets surly and grumpy. Well, when are we not surly and grumpy? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we just, uh, you know, we just stop wasting my time. So do you change or do you stick with it? Because the market, as we've described, is moving like this all the time. And if you try to catch it, you never will. So, but if you stay, eventually the market catches you. This happened to one of my clients who was writing a Dwardian fiction, meaning Dunton Abbey type of stories, but there was no Dunton Abbey that was popular. Suddenly, Dunton Abbey was popular, and she had the proposal, and an editor remembered it and contacted us and said, can I contract that? The book is written. We could have it out really fast and took advantage of a quote-unquote trend 
And then suddenly, within the next year to two years, as Dunton Abbey continued to have its seasons, that genre, people began to flock to it. Now, that season, that show is over. The interest in that category has begun to wane, but there are two or three authors who write that category who now are established as authors in that category, and they always will be. And the fans of that category will continue to go after that writer. So you see how this, it, it, it sounds so simple, right? Well, that's why it's a challenge as an author starting in this industry to figure out your niche, figure out what you are interested in, and then seeing and hoping that the market will find you. All right, let's go to the next question but uh, first i want to say we've already have 11 patrons which is yay really i'm really glad um I, so by the, by, and by the way i want to comment just thomas is an amazing host to the christian publishing show and getting the guests and finding unique type of guests that bring something to the table that makes it like no other show in the industry. And, you know, as we talked about it, it says after sponsoring it two years, there, you know, there just didn't seem to be a reason to continue it. So I literally gave the show to Thomas and said, it's now yours and you need to make it work. It's time for the show to grow up and move out of the house and get a job. Exactly. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Stop eating. Steve's my like chicken. dad. He's like, I still love you, but you need to grow up and be your own man. There you go. So, I hadn't uh, quite thought of it that way, but yeah, sure. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, next question. Uh, so this is from Ashley. She asks, uh, do you have any tips on how an unpublished fiction writer can start building a platform that will appeal to publishers? I actually have like a whole a other podcast. <laughs> I so so I, I have two podcasts, actually. I have the Christian Publishing Show, which is geared a little bit more towards fiction. And it's geared a little bit more towards people who are just getting started. But my other podcast, Novel Marketing, is about promoting a book that you already have out and also about platform building. And it's actually even older than the Christian Publishing Show. It goes back all the way to 2013. So we've gone through the rise and fall of whole social networks <laughs> in the time that we've been doing uh, that podcast. So there's a lot to learn about building a platform. I have a whole course on it at authormedia.com. Now, it, Steve, it, you have an interesting definition of platform. Before we get off this topic, I want you yes, to share I your have, I have come up with a new definition of platform, which I'm now going to repeat a billion times for the rest of my life. And it's in the shape and in the context of traditional publishing. So think of it this way. Platform is when the marketing and sales director at a major publishing pu company says, oh, good, I don't have to work to sell this. That is platform. In other words, you have brought a audience with you, with your book, that the publisher goes, oh, wow, we can just put this out there. And there's already 10,000 people who are salivating over this book. Or there's an incredible following of 5,000 people who, and when I investigate that connection, I can see the interaction. It just isn't sheer numbers. People say, well, if I have 9,000 people, does that mean I can't get published? Do I need 10? Is that the magic number? No, 
the magic number is a number of people who are invested in you and your work. Now, the question earlier was, how do we do this with fiction? And that's always a challenge. But you make yourself delightful. You make yourself someone that people want to hear from. I actually just today put out an episode on my other podcast. It's a 2022 social media guide for authors where I go down each of the major social networks and explain what kind of author it works for and what kind of techniques are working right now. Because sometimes the tools that worked back in 2014 that they used to get famous are not working anymore. And I will say that one of the important things is learning what works and what doesn't and not just wasting a lot of time. Yeah, I love talking about platform and I have a whole podcast about platform. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it is important. And I will say for the indie version of Steve's definition, I would say is platform is a confidence knowing you're going to make your money back on your next book. Yeah. So the way that indies build platform is by writing books. You, you build, uh, you start writing books, you buy ads for those books, you gain an audience that way. The other kind of general tool I recommend is writing short stories, getting good at writing short stories. It helps you get better as a novelist faster than writing novel-length books. And then once your short stories get good enough, you can start giving those short stories away as a way of getting subscribers to your email list. And, and you so, can do the same thing with nonfiction, with blog right. posts, with short articles and PDFs that you give away for, on your topic. It's just a way of building a following with consistent content. I'd say one of the biggest mistakes I see as an agent when I look into someone's background, I see abandoned blogs. So an author proposes something to me, I go look at their website, and I see a post that the last one they posted was pre-pandemic, you know, fall of 2019. I went, what'd you do, give up? Well, the answer was yes. Well, that doesn't say a lot. That's someone who stopped hustling. That's someone who stopped working. Now, it could be any reason. There could be a number of reasons. I mean, health concerns, uh, family concerns, and all of that. But when something like that pops up, I factor it into my interest in that individual. Because the people who were reading your blog every day or every week, whatever your frequency was, they've now moved on. Their routines they have. have changed. They're not going back to your website. Yep. And you kind of have to start over if you take yep. a break that long. And this is a question from Wanda. Boiling an entire novel down to three pages was brutal. Would you give us tips on how to do that well, please? I have an episode on this, too, but I'll, I'll kick it to Steve. Uh, that's it's going to be the worst writing you've ever done because it's see dick run see the red ball bounce see the alien blow up a planet i mean it's just it, it's not intended to be grand literature the idea is think of it this way someone has said to you i will give you 15 minutes think of like a writer's conference and you're going to be the only one talking and you need to tell me your entire story in 15 minutes. I mean, from beginning to end, all aspects of it in 15 minutes. It might even be 10 minutes. That's three pages, single-spaced speaking. Might be a little less than that. I'm just trying to give you a number here. Because most people don't want to listen to your pitch that long. But as an editor, as an agent, we want to see, because all we have is your 
preliminary. We all we have is a few ch sample chapters. We want to see, do you know how to finish this story? How do you finish the story arc? The synopsis is really only part of the proposal. It's never really looked at again. And that's why people kill themselves to create the perfect synopsis. And we speed read it. So what I'm trying to say is it's a necessity because we want to know how you are going to do the whole book. But don't kill yourself over the production of it. Just put it on paper and make it as best you can. As Thomas said, he's got a podcast on it. You can go actually online and just say, how do I write a novel synopsis and do it well? And there are some great tips that are out there. There's even a couple courses that we have in the, the Institute where these are ideas on some of the things you, you need to do to create your synopsis. So again, work at it. Don't obsess over it. I keep bringing back, these are generalizations. Your book is not going to not sell because you wrote a bad synopsis, but it is very, has a better chance of selling if you've written a acceptable synopsis that at least gives me the concept of the story. And it helps down the road with some marketing Okay. The synopsis is what the cover designer is going to read. Yeah. Uh, my episode on pitching, which is similar to synopsis, but a little bit different. It's a free episode and it comes with a free worksheet to help you. I have a method for several different methods, actually. And you can figure out which one works best for you on a worksheet that asks you questions that give, kind of fills out the pantry of ingredients as you bake yeah. your synopsis. And I have a link if you have not, the show notes. If you've not heard a theme here, my friends, is... Take a look at Novel Marketing and the Christian Publishing Show and do a search for all the episodes on the topics that you have or go to the Steve Lobby Agency blog. We have approximately, I think it's 1,500 blog posts on all sorts of things and begin educating yourself. The answers are there. All we can do is give you a tip here and point you and go, all right, you really want to answer that question? Go spend an hour and you'll learn. I created a website called pickthomasesbrain.com. It's a custom search <laughs> engine that searches both the novel marketing and the Christian publishing show. Oh, uh, my goodness. You can use for that's, free. So if you ever are curious, does Thomas have an episode about this? Just go to www.pickthomasesbrain.com. I also bought askthevulcan.com, which goes to the same place. Oh, that's um, too funny. So that's why I do these episodes. That's why I do the Christian Publishing Show. Uh, it's to help answer questions like the ones that you've been asking. So we've been giving a high level up uh, answers. The episodes are meant to be a more in-depth answer to help you on your publishing journey. I, I see myself as Spock and you're Captain Kirk, right? You're the, I want to help <laughs> you go uh, farther, faster, safer, and not get killed by the Klingons. <laughs> and I really do appreciate all of you now who've become patrons. Well. Thanks for the time. And what do they say? Live long and prosper. Live long and <laughs> prosper. Thank you for listening. Uh, we answered a lot more questions in the live version of the show. We went almost two hours answering questions. And I'll have a link to that full version in the show notes. It will also allow you to skip from question to question. So it's a better listening experience uh, than the podcast. And if you would like to check on our progress on hitting our patron goals to see if the podcast will stay on the air. You can find a link to the Patreon at christianpublishingshow.com. 
And if you'd like to become a patron, I would really appreciate it. And you'll find, again, that link at christianpublishingshow.com. The Christian Publishing Show is a production of Author Media. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post is by Shauna Lettler. And I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., your host. To find the blog post version of this episode, visit christianpublishingshow.com. Thank you for listening. And of course, live long and prosper. 